Hello everybody and welcome to Bruvagun. You will not get there on a road bike, especially when you are talking with me, Stefano, aka Calamaro, who usually brings you when you are going out for a ride in some nasty and crazy things. Well, not so nasty, not so crazy, because the passes are all open here in Switzerland and you really need to go there with your bike. The thing that can happen because they're just open, I think that most of the passes here in the Alps opened last Friday, and so you can still find their salty roads, uh, a lot of sand, sharp little stones and stuff like this. This was one of the reasons why this weekend that I went to Le Col de Croix, in the Alp Vadoise, amazing place. Uh, I actually got some problems. Okay, first of all, it was on me because I actually found that my the battery of my DA2 of my uh, SRAM was already uh, low on juice with not so much battery before I started, so I was a bit scared of that. And then I went up to Col de la Croix together with some friends, and then going down, I get my first flat on my new bike. But do you really think that I'm here to talk to you about my adventures and bad lucks and stupid thing, goofy moves that I do on the road? No, yeah. For sure not. I'm here to tell you that the ride up to the Col de la Croix was amazing. And I'm here to tell you also that I've missed the Col du Pillon, that is straight after that, just because of these small technicals. And next time I have to go there. Only thing that I can tell you, these two climbs that I'm mentioning to you are part of a triple climb that actually uh, gets together uh, Col de la Croix, as I already said, Col du Pillon, as I already mentioned as well, plus Call the Moss. If you do these three things, you are doing really something that is really in the best in the highlights of the Alp Vadois. So if you want to come here and do this thing, give me a shout. And we will get there, probably on a road bike. Let's move on the other direction. My contacts, hello at calamaro.cc. That's my email, as usual. And then you can find me on Instagram. Just write down calamaro.cc. All one word, Calamaro and double C at the end. It's pretty easy. Otherwise, read Calamaro is on Twitter and the Calamaro CC is as well on the Facebook. And then you can find this podcast on Spreaker, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Yes, these are the main ones. And then you can find anything else beside it where you like actually to listen to your podcast and your stuff. It's pretty, pretty easy. Let's move forward because we need to hit the interview of today. The interview of today is a bit of a different one from the other ones. Let me read you something first. After my days as a monk, I was left with a sour taste on lesson learned from that period of life. At that point, I adopted a more hermit lifestyle choosing self-reflection and growth over social acceptance and the need to feel part of a scene or so-called friendship, opting for a more lonely path to heal and internalize my thoughts and developing deeper relationship with those close to me. Yes, this is a first part of a desk, of a picture, of the guy that I'm going to interview in front of you right now, coming directly from his Instagram account. His name is Ari, and for the Instagram users lower than you crew, you can already understand the a bit of the taste of his philosophy in life from that. Uh, Ari has a 
incre an incredible story. He's from US, he left his home when he was 17 to join the army, he was in several uh, theater scene and battle scene all over the world, and then when he left everything after 15 years, he just went to India for as a monk, and this is actually uh, the scratch of thing that I read to you on this period of life. Something like to get a better taste and to get a bit of relief after his days as a soldier. As a soldier, sorry. And then he moved, actually, I think he moved to Europe and whatever, he got some mental problems because of the stress that happened in his life during the army. And now, thanks to the bicycle, thanks to a lot of stuff, he's in Amsterdam, he goes out with a bicycle every day, he doesn't care about tracks, so he doesn't care about putting some stuff in his cycle computer, he doesn't care about where to go, whatever. He just rides a bike, especially rides, and he makes a lot of cool things in his BMX. And yes, a philosophy of life that I find fascinating, really fascinating, really going directly to the roots of what is cycling, what is life, and what is whatever makes you happy. I actually got his contact from John, John Woodruff, my really good friend, who actually told me you need to interview Ari because it's perfect talk that you can have on a podcast to let people open his eyes on what cycling without pretending to be something else, without pretending being part of a scene, without pretending, period. And then I actually discovered that Ari is a super good friend, uh, actually Mirko, so a super good friend with Mirko, and Mirko told me, more than friends, we are brothers. And I can completely understand why they get themselves so good together, they are so similar, it's such an amazing, um, yeah, such an amazing spirit that it comes out, spills out from their words in general. And yeah, you know? When a person is so close to your friends, this means that actually it's super close to you. And this was mostly our first talk on records, clear talk on voice, also without records. And you can see directly from um, the vibes and the chemistry that is out of this world, how cool we found out together, we got out together, and such similar thoughts that we have on cycling and on life. I will let you hear and I will leave you to our conversation about cycling and whatever is close to that. And I will talk to you at the end. I hope you enjoy, but you are going to enjoy it for sure. Today, I believe it's going to be an amazing episode. But please, people, if you have kids close to you or sensible people or whatever, tell them to plug their ears because there can be some cursing around. Am I wrong, Eric? Oh yeah, dude, there's a whole lot of that shit going on. You see? Oof. Yeah. <laughs> so just to give you a bit of context, I, I swear, Ari, I'm not gonna uh, say too much because I will let you talk about yourself and about our interview, but bit of background as usual. So thanks God, or thanks to whatever, not being, not believing in God, thanks God is not a good sentence, uh, but thanks to whatever is out there, I have a lot of friends related to the bicycle, in the bicycle world and in the bicycle community. And from time to time, people are just sending me, dropping me messages or creating chats saying, 
man, you have to interview this guy or this girl or this grandpa or whoever or this bicycle because I think a great story is going to come out. And that's exactly what happened. John, you all know John, actually gave me the contact of Ari telling me you need to interview Ari because it's, or sorry, Ari, because I know that I'm messing up, so I'm going to let you know, spell also your name, but because right. he has an amazing theory about bicycle and bicycle is such an important part of his life that I believe is a great experience to put on records. And then I got to know that actually Ari is also super, super great friend of an amazing friend of mine that is Mirko, that was used to live in Amsterdam and now he lives in Berlin. And now that I moved to Zurich, I'm not riding with it so much, but still is a great guy. So... Putting all the dots together and closing the circle, I'm here together with Ari. So, how, hi, Ari, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good, dude. How about you? Well, well, great day today. Need to finish some stuff. Ah, I can curse as well. Need to finish some yeah, shit dude. for work. So, it's going to be tough day today. But fortunately, we are going to talk. We talk already for half an hour. We're going to talk for at least another one hour. And I'm happy for that because I believe that we are going to spill out from this episode a lot of great experience and huge motivation to ride the bike so i'm doing yeah. great yeah yeah it's gonna be a nice uh we're gonna hope it's gonna be a nice podcast let's see what happens you know spontaneous spont spontaneous stuff is always the best stuff i'm completely with you on that i didn't prepare too much on that and i know even if Good. i prepared something that i sent to you you didn't read it yeah, exactly. I, actually, I didn't read anything. I, I read that what time you wanted to call. That's that's it. I okay. I believe, I believe that everything should come from the heart. That speech, that words and actions should come from the heart. So that you can't speak truly from the heart if you're constantly preparing for everything. That's great. That's really, really the perfect status. And I believe that everybody out there already understood your spirit. So we can start with a short introduction of yourself by yourself. So you yeah, can spell yourself, uh, your name and surname, so I will uh, not make any mess, and then you can start. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I only give everybody my first name. Uh, I'm super, I'm actually quite a private person. So I-, I Go with that. My name is Ari, I'm from Brooklyn, uh, I'm from Brooklyn, New York, uh, originally. Uh, I grew up there, I'm 40 something years old. I always forget how old I am, but I'm in my 40s. And yeah, I mean, I, I've been riding bikes since I think, 1986, like, bikes have been in my life, even earlier, probably 85, and I've had an interesting life, but I've been in the military, I've seen combat, I became a monk, uh, and one thing that was constant in that whole period was a bicycle. Everything else kind of went all over the fucking place. Uh, you know, people came and gone, came and went, uh, relationships established and broken, but one thing was always present, and that was this idea of riding a bicycle. Well, then we have, I believe we have to start from the beginning. How bicycle arrived, crashed into your life? Well, I, I was a little kid. It was back in the 80s, probably 85 or 86. I saw this movie. It was called Rad, just <laughs> R-A-D. It was the greatest movie of all time. It was just a, no, it was just a BMX movie where some home, uh, some local hometown kid competed against all these top pros in this, in this race called Hell Track. With all these jumps and shit, and after that, I, I made my dad buy me a bike. He bought me a, a a mongoose expert, and that was like in 80, 80 early eighty six. And then it just changed my whole life. Like I come from 
a family. My dad left us at an early age. It was just me and my brothers and my mother working as a teacher and then working at night also. So she didn't really have much time for us. And, and this one thing that happened, this, this one avenue of, uh, or this one outlet of expression of riding a bike from there, I started, uh, meeting, uh, different people and I started going to dirt jumping to what we call trails in the BMX scene and it just changed my whole life. I started traveling, I started racing, I became uh, sponsored by a company. I, it, it was everything for me. I was absorbed in it and it was an escape from, from reality, you should say. And from that point, it, it made such an impact on me. Here it is, uh, 30-something years later, I still ride a BMX bike at the dirt jumps. I still spend my free time when I'm not on my, uh, my geared bikes or my fixed gear. I, I still spend time digging jumps for kids to, 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 to use and for kids to, to ride and for kids to explore and kids to leave their problems behind. Cool. That's really, really cool. So your first impact with cycling, it was with BMX. I used to ride the bicycle, ride BMX in Brooklyn, New York. I mean, we had dirt jumps. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, we had dirt jumps. They were called, they were called uh, Cherry Hill. They were in a, uh, basically, there was a, a dirt lot with abandoned cars. So people buried the cars and made them jumps. Crazy. Yeah, and so uh, what I would, I would go to a bike shop every day. It was called Marine Park Bikes, and I would, I would meet all these people. I would learn how to air out of a quarter pipe. I would uh, learn how to jump, you know, doubles to a gap jump. I, I, it was just amazing. I would cut school. I would keep my bike in the uh, bushes at school, and during lunch, I would jump the fence and grab my bike and go ride. Like, as a, as a little kid, at like 12, 11, 12, I would cut school and just go ride my bike all the time. Um It, it really set up, set me for, uh, set me, set my future up for, for better things and more far out things. Just this simple little kid's bicycle. That's super cool. But so you got actually, because you were mentioning that you got sponsored and everything, you got into the pro world of BMX or? No, I was a racer mm -hmm. back then. Uh, there was a, back then there was no, like, uh, it was just either you raced or you did freestyle, which was, uh, you know, ramps. And so I was a racer. Okay. So I would travel around the United States racing. Okay. And I was sponsored by a company named Base Brooklyn. Uh, I don't know why they sponsored me. It wasn't like I was this, this powerhouse or I was winning a bunch of races. No, no. I was just a little kid having fun. And I knew all the guys from there from, I mean, I grew I grew up riding with them, I would say. Like, they, they influenced me. They took care of me. And to this day, they still influence me uh, very greatly. I'm still in contact with all of them. And I still try to help represent what they taught me about, about BMX and about uh, how close-knit that scene is. It's a scene like no other scene in cycling. Uh, it's, it's more close than road bikes. It's more close than, than cyclocross. It's, it's the closest thing that you can get to family within a cycling scene because it's so small and it's so unique. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can completely, can completely visualize it. And um, I'm thinking about this thing that is pretty out of the blue, really. But 
because of all your all your experience and I believe technical skills on the bicycle and your amazing way to see bicycle, have you ever thought about teaching to uh, young kids actually how to handle a BMX and enjoy on a BMX and bringing them to, I don't know, uh, a skill park or things like this? Are you doing this or are you thinking well, what about I do What I do is, uh, uh, in Amsterdam, we have dirt jumps. Okay. BMX, BMX Amsterdam. Uh, if you're ever in Amsterdam and you got kids, bring them on by. We have rental bikes. We have rent, excuse me, rental safety equipment. We have everything. Okay. And I go, I go there and I dig. I help build jumps. I help fix jumps. And I help uh, the youth understand the history of BMX and the history of why we build these things and, and, and understand that it's not about becoming pro, it's not about becoming an influencer, one of the dumbest fucking titles I've ever heard of. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's not about that. It's about having fun. It's about uh, pushing yourself. And it's about developing yourself. And I do, I do that at times. I, I'm at the trails twice a week because it's an hour away by train. Mm -hmm. I go there and I just, I just hang out with the kids and I just talk with them about life, about what they're going through. I, 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 I bribe them with money to try new tricks. Really? Uh, yeah, I, 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 I'll show up with like 20 euros and be like, yo, whoever does the first, uh, you know, 360 tabletop gets 20 euros and then I let all the kids just huck at it until one of them gets it and then they get the money. <laughs> That's great. Actually, I don't know because I don't have kids, but anyways, I feel I will arrive actually to Amsterdam. I'm going to give you, ask you a call, give you a call anyway, so you can teach me how to handle a bike because I can ride a bike, but I cannot really handle a bike. I'm really bad on doing it. Well, that's the thing. That that's the that's the beauty of, of of having a base of BMX. If you look at some of the greatest mountain bikers in the world, they all have a BMX background. Yeah. Brian Lopes, uh, John Tolmach, Tinka Juarez, all these old school MTB guys have a BMX background. Um, it's it, it's a way of learning to handle the bike. Yes. Uh, in a way to manipulate manipulate it. In a way, and it translates over to um, riding regular, uh, riding road bikes or riding cyclocross or gravel. I mean, I see people ride bikes and they look ugly as fuck. Like they do. They look like they're, they're miserable. They, they look like uh, the bike is riding them, not them riding the bike. You are exactly, then, you are talking about me at the moment. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no it's true. It's, it's true. It's reality. It's, it's reality. True. It's, true. it's such an amazing base because you're learning. From that base, you're learning how to handle the bike, how to manipulate the bike around corners, how to jump over shit, how to... You're learning to become confident on a bike. And a lot of people nowadays, they, they don't have that base. You know, they, they just jump on road bikes or jump on gravel bikes, and, and their style looks like shit. Mm -hmm. Like, they look like robots riding around, like people on Oma bikes, you know, super uncomfortable and super jittery and not, and not fluent. And the style that they have doesn't look fluid. It doesn't look like they're surfing. If you look at surfing, surfing is a very fluid motion. If you look at BMX riders riding dirt jumps, it's a very fluid motion where it's just each motion leads into the next motion, which creates a rhythm. And you see a lot of cyclists, they lack this. Mm. Do you think I could learn it also if I am 38 years old? Yeah, why not? But... I, mean, I mean, you learned how to do a podcast. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's true. I mean, anything. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it, it, two day, two days. You can learn exactly how to ride a BMX bike. People think it's just a little kid's bike, but it, it, how much rad, it, it, how much radness it brings is is immeasurable. It, it gives you opportunities to do things that geared bikes will not let you do. Cool. It sounds like I found my teacher. Thank you, man. Thanks for offering it. <laughs> well, come and visit and we'll have some fun. For sure, for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Or, yeah, we can find... Also, if you are coming here, we can find actually some dirt jumps also as well. Or we can build it. Yeah. The yeah. Best, well, that's the thing. That's what BMX teaches you. Uh, it teaches you how to create. Yeah. Uh, nowadays, nowadays in society in general, people are... People are so fucking, uh, uh, um, what's the word? Used to getting everything given to them. Yeah. They're used to. They're not used to creating their own places to 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 have fun. They used to everything be given to them, and it hampers your your growth as a person, and it ham- and it hampers your growth as a cyclist to to ride the same. You know, the Amsterdam, the famous hoop, you know, Ronda hoop or whatever they call it. I've mm. never ridden it in my life. I think it's so stupid. Okay. Just go in circles nonstop. Yeah. Uh, and, and so this idea of creating your own uh, um, happy land, your own, your own fun park, your own amusement park, it actually teaches a lot about life itself. Yeah. If you want to get something really fun and really unique, build it yourself. Exactly. Create it yourself. If yeah. you want to create a scene, you create it yourself. You want to create uh, a podcast, you create it yourself. Yeah. You don't depend on anyone else to do it for you. You just do it yourself. Yes, and do it as best it is for you. And then if somebody likes you or doesn't like you, who cares? Yeah. Yeah, I like the point. I like the point. Even if, even if you see people within the cycling industry, you know, everybody tries to be like everybody else. Okay. If you go, you know, you go to a, you go to a, a, a I'll use Rafa, for example, because I think, I, I don't know, I mean, I, I think most people that are involved in, in the RCCs are a bunch of douchebags, most of them. Okay, I think, okay. I, I told you, I'm opinionated. I think most of them uh, uh, think they're much better than what they really are okay. uh, on bicycles. Yeah. And, but if you go there, you see and you look at their bikes and you look, it's nothing original. It's the same E-taps. The same envy stuff. Everything looks the same because every nobody has any any individuality involved. That's what cycling's missing: individuality. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can completely see the point. Yeah, it's true. Likes it's it looks like at the moment the bicycle industry is pushing everywhere the same thing. And yeah. if you are not into this loop, so if you are not keen into that, or you are not doing something similar to that, you are out. So right now the all roads and off roads as well are full of black bicycle, all the same. Yeah. yeah, I mean, my all road looks like a fucking piece of shit. I mm-hmm. mean, it's a custom frame. It's the, probably the best bike I have. Half of it's rusted. The other half is spray painted by a rattle can. You know, like it just looks completely destroyed. I, w- I was on a ride uh, last year and some guy asked me if he thought my bike would make it to the end. That's how bad it looks. It's just like, it's brutal because I ride it a lot. It's, I, I have no interest in keeping it, keeping it pristine or keeping the dust off of it. I like it like that. It shows mm-hmm. that it's been ridden. Okay. How it's many bicycles do you have, Ari? Oh, God, man. You know, if my wife ever comes in this, in, in this, in this workshop, uh, I'm going to be in trouble. Uh, I have like 
I think three BMXs, mm-hmm. uh, one all road, two track bikes, two mountain bikes that are in pieces, mm-hmm. uh, a couple track. Yeah, I said track bikes. I yeah. have uh, a touring bike. Um, yeah, I have too much shit. Actually, looking around, I'm like, fuck. But I can you race all of them? Yeah, well, that's that's why I'm able to ride. Uh, I feel that's why I'm able to ride every day. Yeah. Because I do have so much stuff to ride that it doesn't get boring for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It, like, you have a road bike. You're so limited. You, you know, you have one bike. You know, I'm not advocating for you to, for people to buy a, a thousand bikes. I'm just saying for me personally, because of my situation, it helps. It, it works for me because every day I can pick a new bike and go have fun. And, and, and cycling remains fresh. It remains creative. It, it remains um, uh, interesting. It remains a passion because it's not the same shit every day. Yeah. The same loop for training, the same intervals, the same thing. Training. Oh, God. I hate when people say training. Yeah. No, motherfucker, you're just riding a bike. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, but there is also the training part. I don't know. I know that you're a friend with John, and John likes to say that training is for people without talent. Mm. I can agree with that. I can agree with that. I can agree also with people, you know, worrying about having a worrying about, uh, you know, uh, I want to eat tap because, you know, those cables and like 20 grams, bitch, ride your bike more. Yeah. If you're worried about 20 grams, then that means you have zero, zero confidence in your capabilities to ride a bicycle. Yeah. 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 You need every little advantage to be able to keep up with a group ride. Like that's what basically it means that you have, you don't ride your bike enough. And that you're looking for every little advantage to be able to uh, maintain whatever it is you're trying to maintain. Like it's a status thing. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, you know, and I, I agree. I, I don't. I hate when people call it training. You're not training. You're just riding a damn bike. You yeah. know, Peter Sagan is training. Mm. Like, uh, you know, uh, Jose Canseco when he was playing baseball was training. MMA fighters train. You're just a dude that does a coffee shop, uh, does a coffee ride on Sundays. That ain't training. Come on. Okay, okay, okay. I can tell you on that, just to ask a bit of discussion out of that. But sometimes you're sure. also training because... Uh, take myself. On, uh, in less than one month, I'm going to head to the Alps, doing one week of uh, riding the bicycle over there. And just to shut it out to everybody so everybody will know, I'm going to ride on the Zonkolan. The scariest thing I can have in my mind. 10, 12 kilometers with... A gradient average of 13, 14, uh, so uphill, and I'm super scared. What I do, I usually do my climb repeats here, something like my interval trainings, in order to have the legs not to suffer too much. For sure, I'm not training to be the first and to take the KOM or whatever. I don't care, I don't care about numbers, I don't like numbers. But just not to arrive on top of the Zonkolan and cannot appreciate what's there around because I'm completely wasted. That's also training. But that's the beauty of it. But that's the beauty of it. The <laughs> okay. beauty of it is getting wasted. The beauty of it is 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 the difficulty to make the climb. The beauty of it is the is the mental fortitude it takes to push on when things don't go right. That that's the beauty of it in my in my mind. The beauty of it is not is not necessarily the views on top. The beauty is the path to get to the top. Okay. Like uh- all the obstacles one has to overcome. Mentally, physically, um, uh, emotionally, spiritually. Like to me, 
that's that's a more beauty you know how much do people really appreciate the views all they do is make a picture with their bike they ruin a perfect view with a picture of a stupid bike like it, to me that's the beauty the beauty aspect the fact that you can push yourself and overcome these things to make it to the top it's 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 like a it's like a metaphor for life in general like we're so focused on what we'll do when we get to the top that we forget about the, 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 the path to get there. And that's where we fuck up in life. That's where we fuck up on the bike, and that's where we fuck up in life, is that we forget the, the beauty of the past. I, I, when I was a monk, when I was a monk, uh, uh, an old sadhu told, an old saintly man told me in Varshana, India, mm-hmm. he said, he said, I was living on his floor for four days, and he said to me, he said, when you see the sunset, what do you see? And I said, well, Baba, I see the beauty of the sun. I see the beautiful colors of the sun. I notice the change in the temperature. And he's like, so you focus so much on on the horizon that you ignore the pebble that's at your feet yeah. and the beauty of that pebble. And so I feel like this is a, a lot that's what's missing and in 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 cycling and in life we we want to climb these things not saying you or but in the back of our mind we have this thing we want to climb to 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 do it to and then post that instagram photo and you know and we forget about that memory of actually getting up there because that memory of getting up there is more powerful than that actual get up there actually get up on top it's that memory that we actually remember more that 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 suffering that climbing, that those, that pain in the legs, that's actually what we remember more than we remember that view. Yeah, I can completely see your point. And you know what? Actually, to put a bit more strength, if I can, and to underline sure. a bit more your words, I can tell you that I was used uh, to carry with me while riding and whatever, something like, okay, apart from my phone, also my camera. So if I would have seen a beautiful spot or whatever, I would have stayed there and pushed, put the bicycle in the right way or just setting up the camera at a certain point and uh, how to click, push the button to make a picture or whatever. So at a certain point, I realized that more than enjoying myself going on the bicycle and follow the, the stream, the thought stream that is going on in my mind and in my legs and in my body and in everything, in my spirit and everything, I was more spotting for cool places and cool corner where to take a bicycle, where to take a picture. At a certain point, I said, you know what? Fuck it. I just started leaving my camera at home. Apart if I'm going out for, I don't know, around the lake stuff or in a beautiful day, then I go out only to make pictures. But if I'm going out to ride my bicycle, I leave all the stuff at home so I can really focus on what I'm doing on the bicycle and follow the stream flow, the flow of my brain, because this is the only way that you can get the best out of your uh, cycle, of your ride, is not only what's around, but actually, and neither only the pain and the suffering that you have in your your body, but also what it produces in your brain and the good out of it. Yeah, no, see, that's the thing. I, I, I agree with that fully. I agree that, that, this is like there's two i feel that there's two aspects of cycling just like i feel there's two aspects of 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 most sports there's uh two aspects of bmx there's two aspects of of surfing you have you know the people that are that are you have one group of people that are interested in becoming famous off of it of you know using it as self-promotion 
you know, things to this nature. And then you have the other, which are like the soul surfers, the dudes that just go out just when nobody's looking just to go and ride, just to go and surf. And you see that in the long run, the soul surfers are the ones that stay and yeah. the ones that use it for self uh, promotion and things like that. They come and go with the tide. They jump on the trends and bandwagons because it's just nothing more than a means for them to be interesting. <laughs> but really, in reality, nobody outside cycling gives a fuck what you climb or how many kilometers you do or like nobody cares outside of cycling. It's just like running. I do. I do ultra runs also. OK, I do. I do a lot of long distance running. And uh, and I realized at one point nobody gave a fuck how many kilometers I ran. Like really, like I ran from my house to Amsterdam. It's 51 kilometers. And nobody, like, I, I posted it, and I was like, yeah, man, people will really be stoked on this. And really, it, like, nobody really gave a fuck outside of that little scene. People were like, oh, that's cool. Why would you do something like that? So it's all, we have to develop passion for something that we do. We have to develop a reason to keep doing it. Instead, we'll, and if not, we'll just move on to the next thing that comes along that we think is cool. And we see it all the time in cycling. Okay. You know, we, we see it. From people, uh, uh, hardcore roadies, you know, nothing makes me laugh more when I hear people talking about Watts, you know, like we, you know, we have people that go from being a hardcore roadie to all of a sudden they're gravel to all of a sudden the big new thing now is MTVs. Everybody wants an MTV, like, because you could say it's evolution, but I say it isn't. I say it's just jumping on to the next big thing instead of just just doing what the heart tells you like you know like i don't know i i like i said like i told you earlier i'm i'm more of a guy that stays to himself i don't i don't talk to many people yeah i ride i ride 95 percent of the time i'm by myself i ride hours and hours alone to to i use my my bike as a means for spiritual nourishment mental nourishment emotional nourishment i'm not dependent on people or trends or scenes to ride my bike it's not it's not i i've been doing this shit before scenes and i'll be doing this shit after all that stuff stops like it's it's not it's not something i'm into i'm like the antichrist of that shit like i i really i I don't get it sometimes that people put so much emphasis on following someone else or following a, a, a a new trend or just just People should just do what their hearts are telling them to do. But what about... Mirko. Mirko. is a perfect example of that. Go for that. Go for that. Yeah. I love Mirko. Yeah. We all do. If I was a gay man, Mirko would be my guy. Okay. I love Mirko. Like, Mirko is amazing. Yeah. And to see the transformation of, of somebody like Mirko, who is so deep into the RCC and so deep into the road cycling scene... And see that transformation of him becoming a dude that just wants to go out and have fun now. And and is amazing. You see him, he's happier. His content is so much better because it's natural content now. It's not forced content. You know, like, hold on guys, oh, go back up the hill and come back down again so I can get a better picture. No, it's not any of that shit. It's just what's naturally coming out of Mirko's life. It's Mirko's life being played out in front of you instead of a manufactured life. Uh, to create followers, and not that Mirko was doing that, but this idea of we have to be, we have to uh, be like everyone else, yeah, is 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 ridiculous. And and we, I see a person like Mirko who now 
is doing his own thing and who's now super stoked on cycling and and, and growing uh, uh, emotionally and growing you know intellectually and growing and continually to grow all because he just found his passion and just decided fuck everything else I'm just gonna do what I want to do yeah but what about let's put it in this other way so take Mirko as the model let's say the persona of this conversation in okay. order to get there in order for Mirko to move from the RCC fanboy so I remember that actually Mirko was telling me that he was actually uh, taking care a lot on how many miles he was riding, uh, the fast, um, what to eat and everything still. A bit of sensibility on eating, a lot of sensibility on eating, you still have it, but in a different way. So from starting from there, everything focused on the performance, let's say, to arrive to fuck performance, fuck what, who cares about numbers. The most important thing is to have fun and develop yourself as a human being. In the transition between A to B, there was something in the middle, and this something in the middle was kind of somebody to show him what it means, how bicycle is, what's developing in the bicycle way only through a tool that is are not the numbers and the appearance, but is actually the feeling better on the bike. And this model were you. You know what I mean? You, everybody needs to uh, to spread this word and everybody needs to be seen, not as a model, but seen as an inspiration, I would say. And that's something that we can do also thanks to social media and modern life. Yeah, we can, as long as we're being honest and direct. I also think, I also think that people, a lot of times when people do drastic changes and reevaluate their values and where they want to go, it's usually in a moment of crisis, when yeah. you've gone through a moment of crisis. Like, I'll take, you know, I, I can't talk for, for Mirko, but I can talk for me. Yeah. Um, I know for me, I rode BMX when I was in the army. Mm. Like, no joke. I, I once, in, I was deployed to Bosnia, and I, I, <laughs> and I paid them, I paid the locals to build me a mini ramp. Really? So, yeah. while you were there, in this crazy shit, you were riding your BMX? Yeah. Okay. I was still there. I had a bike and a skateboard, and I was still riding almost every day. I was cool. just riding mini ramp and just like doing dick around tricks. Mm. And when I went through my hardest part of my life, when I went through my suicide attempts, uh, because I suffer from post-traumatic stress from the war and I suffered from a traumatic brain injury from the war. And, you know, I tried a lot of things to get me out of that funk. And what really got me out of that funk was like getting back on a bike in a health, in a, in a, in a healthy way and in a fun way. Yeah. Without the pressure, without the pressure to maintain what. So I think a Makes lot sense. of times, while it might be somebody to, to show you the fun side of cycling, also a lot of it has to do with, with not being satisfied, with going through some difficulty and feeling abandoned like from, from, uh, from these things. By abandoned, I mean... You know, ooh, everybody loves you when you're when you're there at every Sunday ride. But when you're sick as fuck, or when you're in, you're going through surgeries, or going through health issues, and nobody bothers to show up to even care about you. Mm. Like it shows you like how shallow it actually is in life. Like it, whether it's cycling, whether it's like baseball, basketball, bridge, bingo, whatever the fuck you're into. Mm -hmm. Like. Uh, it's usually when we go through hardships and we're, and we're confronted with the reality that all the, that the scenes we try to be a part of are not actually, not actually there for us. Yeah. 
and that actually shapes where shapes our opinion to where we're like, well, I want to keep doing what I'm doing, but I want to find a way that to separate myself from this. And usually that's the catalyst for change in your life. Whether it's, like I said, whether it's a lot of things with cycling can be pushed over to, to, to normal everyday life, cutting out dead weight, cutting out people that, you know, don't have your back, you know, being, mm-hmm. you know, being, being hated by many, but loved by a few. That's much better than, than being a, a, a social butterfly that has no real sustainable, deep, uh, internal relationships with people. And I see there's this, they go hand in hand that usually when people get fried, frustrated and fried out with some kind of scene that they move on and either they do one or two things, either they just stop altogether mm-hmm. and they give it up because they can't separate, uh, the, the, the activity from the people okay. or they continue to do the activity, but they do it on their terms and what, and how they want to do it. Okay, okay, okay. So the thing that you are saying is that at a certain point, actually, when you are getting rid to the source of your well-staying, well-being, happiness on a tool, in this case, we're going to use the tool, the bicycle as the example, when you're going really to the source of happiness of what you're doing on the bicycle, then at a certain point, or you are going to be surrounded from people that you really like from your um, yeah, you know, for people that are really similar to you, that can really share, maybe they will not share the same thing, but they will share the spirit of it. Yeah. Or you're going to do it by yourself. Exactly. Okay. Like, it, there's three ways of doing it. Either you can just be a sheep, a little sheep and follow everyone. You can uh, take inspiration from older people that have uh, moved on and are doing are doing things on their term or you can just burn the whole fucking industry to the ground and just do your own thing yes and you know what i think that i believe that at a certain point when you get really if you are obviously you need to be also um profound to do it yeah so you need also to think about this thing you're not doing things superficially for sure if you arrive in that point but if you arrive at the point that you really can understand the source of it and you start doing things on your own way if you are a social person if you like staying with other people and if this is the thing that makes you feel better you're gonna find people similar to you sharing the same spirit and having the real fun on the bike because if you're just yeah. following the the other crews and the other people that are doing stuff differently, then what you feel, okay, you can adapt, but you will never be at the perfect way. Happy on that. Well, well, the thing, is, well, we, it, it, happiness is defined by each individual person. Makes I'm sense. Not sh- I, I mean, I, I want to make give one disclaimer. I'm not, sh- I'm not shitting on people for uh, for wanting to be part of that. If that's what they need. To be able to ride a bike, more power to them. They're riding a bike. You know, it, uh, the thing that I don't like is when we start to look down and judge people based on that. Great, makes sense. Yeah, you yeah. know, I'm not, sh- I'm not shitting on you because you want to fucking pay 200 euros and join Rafa or Mop or Mots or go on this call, co- this group ride or that group ride. I'm not shitting on you for doing that. And that's, you know, that's your life. Everybody has to fly their own airplane. But it's when it starts to become a point where if you're not one of us, you're not really a cyclist or you're not really a runner. I had the same uh, experience in ultra running. Mm-hmm. I had the same, you know, the only place I haven't had that experience is BMX, to be honest. Okay. Like, uh, 
But it's when we start saying, if you're not doing like I'm doing, then, you know, you're not really part of this. This You're not really a real cyclist. You're not really, you don't really have a passion because, you know, you're not doing what we're doing. And, you know, passion is an individual thing. I can only talk about myself and I can only, and as somebody who's deeply removed from the cycling scene, I can only see, I can only give you, give my my view from looking out on the outside of it and what I see because I have nothing to lose and I have nothing to gain. Like I just, I'm just telling you how I've, I see it. Yes. And this is exactly something like the brand name, the really the foundation on, of what this podcast and my view on bicycle. <laughs> and now I can understand also yours is by, so for me, cycling is something inclusive, not exclusive. Because exactly. if in the words of cycling, you are excluding somebody, then that's not my thing. You're excluding myself as well. I don't care if you follow them. I have, for example, the other guy that actually uh, I'm talking super often here on this podcast, Simon, he's a numbers guy. He likes to train. He has all his computer full of Excel sheets where he actually measure his heartbeat, his watts and this and that. He does it. He doesn't exclude me. I, doesn't, I don't exclude him on riding the bicycle. In June, we're going to go all together climbing the Zonkolan. Not in the same way. For sure not. But together, enjoying breakfast in the morning and the sun in the middle and our beers at the end. And talking about the same thing, the same feelings, the same uh, growing of the spirits that we have. We don't exclude each other because he runs uh, two bicycles and one of those, one is a super light bike and the second one is a chrono bike. And I don't exclude him because I'm riding a gravel bike. We are together and all the time that we are together, we are enjoying riding the bicycle and that's it. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, if you break down what cycling is, cycling is uh, is us reliving our childhood every time we we put our leg over a top tube. Yeah, that's basically what cycling yeah. is. It's we lose focus of that, but that's ultimately what what cycling is. It, it it's a way for us to stay connected to our childhood. It's a way for us never to grow up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And for somebody, this can mean, for example, okay, for me. The thing that I always enjoy in my life and I will always do, apart from, okay, cycle is part of that for sure. Um, creating some uh, podcasts and having talk with people is the second thing. But actually for me, it's a social thing, community thing. Discuss with people about my point of view to really enrich my point of view all the time. Because just talking about these kind of things with the excuse of bicycle makes you a bit more grown up, a bit more mature and a bit more... Um, consistent with your body and with your feelings without waiting for anybody without being uh, for sure and obviously all the time pushed on be part of something you're being part on what makes you feeling good and that's it yeah i mean ultimately we just want to be happy that's the thing that's the thing do whatever but be happy exactly like uh I, for me I, I i i always have a good time like i've never had a bad ride i can't remember ever having a bad ride i've always had fun Even when I've been on rides that suffered, yeah. I've always had fun. Because for me, it's just the act of, of pedaling. Like I said, like I ride a bike a certain way. I don't stop pedaling. I always pedal. I very rarely coast. Okay. And like, and like, I, said, like I said in that video, uh, you know, coasting, you, you, you lose focus of where you want to go. Like you always, uh, always perpetual forward motion. We always have to push forward in life. You know, it, it, it's... 
we always have to be prepared to move forward. We have to be prepared to move over obstacles, push over obstacles, dig under obstacles, jump over obstacles. And for me, yeah, that's what cycling actually teaches you. It teaches you how to overcome stuff. Yeah. Like it teaches you. It teaches you how to ignore pain. It teaches you how to ignore the body. It teaches you to focus on the now and not the and not the later. Yeah. Uh, it teaches you about planning. It teaches you about execution. It teaches you about uh, about so much in life. Uh, but sometimes we choose to ignore all that, and we choose to 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 focus on the minute things like numbers and 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 weight of the bike and. and you know, oh God, I can't have that much water in my water bottles when I climb because it adds an extra 10 grams, you yeah. know, like dumb shit like that. Like, and, and it totally, it, it, it makes us forget why the reason why we started doing it in the first place. Man, you were talking about, you said really the keyword, the magic word, you said something about planning. I know from people, so somebody told somebody else that at the end told to a little bird that told me that you have some crazy cool ideas about planning and I want to know more about that. And I think that everybody out there wants to know more about that. Well, I, I mean, uh, okay, my, so here's my background a little bit more. Yeah. I, joined the military, I joined the military at 17, right? Like I was 17 Damn it, 17? Can you do it in US? Uh, well, I mean, originally how it started was, uh, I was horrible at school. Uh -huh. like, I was really fucked. I was a fucked up kid. Like, uh, I would go to school on acid. Uh, you know, I'd take some LSD and go to school or I just wouldn't show up. Uh, you know, I would ask to go to the bathroom and then never come back to class again. I was just a horrible dude. And then I came home from school and there was like an army recruiter sitting at my kitchen table. And... I was like, yo, who's this dude to my dad? Because <coughs> my mom threw me out of the house and I moved in with my father. And my dad was like, yo, this guy is here for you. And my and I was like, no, nah, I'm not joining the army. Fuck you. Mm. And then my dad and then my dad said, uh, no, you don't understand. You're 17. I can sign the paperwork for you. And he uh, did. He signed the paperwork. Uh, and then I said, well, I'm not going. And then he took my shit and threw it out in the street. And he said... Look, if you don't go to the army, you need to find a new place to live. So, there I was at 17, and okay. I, I grew up in the I grew up in the army. That's why I think I'm so blunt, is because that's the life I, I grew up in. Why most people were, you know, getting their dicks wet and going to parties. And I was, you know, I was deployed to foreign countries in combat zones. Yeah. At, at a very young age, and one of the things I learned was so my whole life is based on basically this experience. Of, of, of 15 years of being in the military and achieving a high rank. You know, at one point, I, I was a sergeant for SI sergeant. I was in charge of a lot of people. Mm. And, you know, part of that is planning, planning training, uh, planning uh, uh, schedules, like things like that. And one of the, the training philosophies I came up with was, or the planning philosophies was uh, uh, the what if, the oh, the oh shit and the I'm fucked phases of planning. Okay. Phases uh, of planning. And this is the scale, right? What if? And which one was the second? Oh fuck and I'm fu oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. Oh fuck, oh fuck is when shit just gone like to hell. Oh, oh shit. The, the what if is the beginning. You can look at it as, you can even break it down into 90 days, into, into 30 days is the what if. 
you know, 60 days or 90 days is the, uh, oh shit. And 180 days is the, I'm fucked. If you plan your life according to these three phases of planning, your life will never go wrong. Like everything will work out good. Can you give me an example on that? An example is, uh, well, I can give a military example. Let's go for it. I, I was preferring a bicycle example, but okay, let's go for bicycle. the military. Yeah, better. Okay, like, like you're, uh, okay, like you're going to the Alps, yeah. right? You're yeah. going to ride your bike. Okay, like what do you, like what do you need to do within the next 30 days to start preparing yourself? That's the what if phase. Okay. The what if, what if, what if, uh, uh, you know, how's my nutrition? Yeah. How's my, uh, how many kilometers am I putting in? Uh, is there anything extra I can do? Okay. Right? Yes. Like, then you have, then you have the next phase. So it's basic planning. Like, you know, where are we going? What day are we going? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, like, uh, what, how am I going to eat? All that stuff. The oh shit phase is like, okay, I'm like, uh, one month away from going. And, you know, I haven't really rode my bike that much. Okay. I haven't really, uh, um, I haven't really figured out my nutrition plan. I haven't really figured out, um, you know, like how I'm going to get there. Uh, you know, like, you're like, oh shit, like I need to figure these things out in a hurry. Okay. And then, then the I'm fucked plan is all that shit, all that shit goes to hell and you have to, you have to do it on the fly. Something like last week. Last week, I still didn't prepare anything. I probably have some kilometers in my legs, but not as many. I don't know where I'm going. Then is I'm fucked. I need to fix it now. No, 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 no. I'm fucked is when you get there and you're like, oh, ah. fuck. Yeah, the I'm fucked is like the worst phase. The I'm fucked means like you better be prepared for uh, That's where the mental ability comes in. Because with the I'm fucked phase, it's like I didn't do any preparing. I didn't do any any checks. I don't even know if my bike is working. And I'm just gonna fucking do it. I'm just I'm fucked, and I'm just gonna make the best of it. Where That's do you? The I'm fucked phase. Okay. Where usually in your life? Where do you usually place yourself averagely? Do you find yourself in a situation of what if or I am fucked? Actually, nowadays, after planning my life for so long, I mean, for 15 years, my life was planned for me. Everything. Okay. From the time I woke up to the time I went to bed, like when I was gonna eat. Uh, what I was going to do every day. Nowadays, I enjoy the I'm fucked phase. It's actually, for me, that, 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 that struggle of not planning is actually exciting to me. Because okay. I know, when it comes to cycling, I know I can ride wherever I want. I know my legs are strong enough. Mm. I know that uh, I know my nutrition is dialed. Like, I already know all that shit, but I do not do, like, any route planning. I don't believe in route planning. That's my I'm fucked. I get lost everywhere. Okay. Like, I, I, I just get lost. I don't give a fuck. I find that part of phasing uh, um, exciting. Like I'm leaving for, I'm riding to Paris and three, for three, you know, I'm taking three days to ride to Paris. And uh, I found a nice route, 224 kilometers of gravel, the rest is roads and all this shit. And I still haven't even really looked at the route yet. I haven't, I, I haven't even packed my bag. I haven't even looked, I haven't even looked to see if I still have a sleeping bag or not. Okay. Like, I just, I just gave up. I just don't care about the what if and the, and the oh shit phase. I'm just perpetually living in the I'm fucked phase. Okay. I seem to feel comfortable there. I can tell you that I'm, I think I've ever, I've never, never experienced the what if phase. I'm always in the last two. Usually yeah, I'm in the last most two. people are. Yeah, yeah. 
something like most I'm people, really most people skip the first two yeah right like the dude I'm going with he's like already like yeah man I'm gonna bring this this and this and he comes here he arrives like next week and I still haven't even I still haven't even figured out what I'm bringing yet I still haven't even bothered to look like I I just don't care like I just want to uh, you know I mean the um shit the 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 what if the oh shit and the um fucked phases of planning it's really a type of planning motto for people that are not how can i phrase this are not mentally strong enough or need that comfort yeah uh, to be able to accomplish a goal Right? They need to know that they have the map, like the route plan. They need to know where they're going to sleep every night. They need to know, like, at what places will they stop for rest. Some people need that in, to be able to complete a task. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Some, I... Sorry, yeah, for ahead. some people, that's necessary. Mm. And if you follow, if, the, if you're one of those people, then if you follow this plan, which is basically creating contingencies backup plans as you go like what if the route doesn't work well what are you going to do then mm -hmm. like what about if uh if uh your bike breaks like what are you going to do then like if you need all these things to be able to complete a task of more power to you but then do it correctly but if you're just like fuck it let's wing it and see what happens then just go straight to oh to, to i'm fucked because i'm fucked is the funnest part yeah 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 for sure but um how can I phrase this thing? Um, the thing that I wanted to ask you is, this is my point of view, more than the thing that I wanted to ask you. Uh, let's put it in that way. Let's put some uh, personal statements here. I really okay. believe that having, uh, especially the first phase, but also the second phase, so the what if, uh, the oh shit phases, are the situation that anyways you have always in plan, so thought about that, you thought about that before, in plan a plan B. On yeah. the C play, so on the last part, so in the I'm fucked thing, the plan B doesn't exist because you don't even have a plan A. Plan A is everything plan B constantly. And if the first two phases um, trains you to get everything in place, get everything planned and stuff like this, on the last phase, you are training yourself on try to save yourself in any kind of situation. Do it on the fly. Yeah, like yeah, exactly. Like Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson said it great. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. Exactly. I know this this sentence. I love it. Yeah. Like, I love Mike Tyson. I used to watch him. I'm, I, I, I watch boxing and MMA a lot. Like, okay. Uh, I'm like, the, yeah, I'm the worst cyclist. I, I don't watch cycling at all. I think it's the most boring sport to watch. I love it. Like, but I can understand. But, I'm sorry, but nothing. <laughs> no, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Nothing but watching dudes ride bike and listen to two idiots in a helicopter talking for six hours is not my idea. I'd rather be out on my bike. Because you never uh, listen to myself, then. <laughs> no, you're, you're amazing. But, okay. uh, no, like Mike Tyson says, you know, everybody has a plan. It's so true. Get punched in, the, punched in the face. Yeah. So uh, the 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 I'm fucked is like basically all of that shit goes out the window, and you have to adapt and overcome. Exactly. Yeah. Like that's where. That separates, you know, not to use genders, but that separates the men from the boys. Mm -hmm. Like yeah. if you're able to overcome uh, uh, adversity, to overcome, um, like I, I mean, I'll, I'll give it, I'll give a story, uh, not a story. It's actually a real life experience. Go ahead. Uh, that that happened to me in the war. Um, like when I was when I was there, I was on the uh, Syrian border, and we prepared. We prepared 
before you know we did all of our planning prior planning we prepared everything we prepared for worst case scenarios right packed all of our gear went out to the border of syria and then one day uh and then one evening uh uh what is it uh two suicide bombers uh hit a school of little children Mm -hmm. and blew them up and killed a bunch of little children Mm-hmm. Right. So all of a sudden, my team had to had to have had to uh, uh, care, and we're not medics. Like I don't know how to, you know, I could put a bandaid on somebody, but yeah. all of a sudden we had to treat with horrific wounds, like little children, three years old, four years old, two years old, little girls, little boys, blood pouring out of all their bodies Mm. heads blown out like really nasty shit and so those so all the planning we did the what if and the oh shit that was none of that none of that was able to work and so we had to adapt and overcome the situation to be able to save lives yeah that's what that's what the i'm fucked phase is the i'm fucked phase is when you're faced with adversity you're faced with difficulty you're faced with insurmountable odds how do you push past that to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish? How do you, how do you, how do you take that moment and take, and instead of, uh, of, of worrying that nothing's going right, taking it by the fucking balls and riding that, riding that bull off into the sunset yeah. and making it and, and, and creating something out of chaos and creating something out of, out of, out of, out of uh, necessity. That's what the I'm fucked plan is, where people don't plan for. Like, what if everything goes wrong? Are you capable of adjusting on the fly, adjusting fire, as I always say? Are you capable of, 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 create, of creating, of taking a situation and creating something out of it when there is nothing that's going right? And wow. that's the I'm fucked phase. So fascinating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can completely I can completely see the point. And actually I can understand that this is usually a thing that drops you out your comfort zone constantly. Yeah, exactly. 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 It's the unfucked phase of planning is is a phase you can't really plan for. It's yeah. a phase that you can you can say you plan for. That's what the uh, the o the uh oh and the oh shit phases are for. Those are for planning. The unfucked phase is for reaction. Yeah. So when you have three these three phases of planning, right? The the unfuck phase is like the the phase where you, if everything goes wrong and everything goes to hell in a handbasket, that somehow you salvage the situation to get make to get something out of it. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Pretty 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 clear. I'm thinking that probably have you ever joined one of those uh, ultra endurance bicycle races or stuff like this, Eric? I mean, I'm not a. I mean, I'm not a competitive guy. But like, I'm, just not, I'm not a competitive not, guy as well. I'm sorry if I interrupt you here, but that's exactly the point. I'm not a competitive guy as well. You are not a competitive guy as well. But I don't have any kind of this state of mind where I can prove myself, or I can prove people out there, or I can just do something that is everything related to planning like a transcontinental race, for example, and do it on purpose on the I'm fucked phase. This would be actually... Well, I mean, yeah. 
you could do it. You could just do the transcontinental. You could do the route. Nobody's saying you can't do the route. You can do the route by yourself. You don't need it. Uh, you don't need to have a race to do things. That's that's the that's the life I live. I don't need these things yeah. to, to tell to, to do these things. I can just do them on my own. I don't need. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't. You know, to, to me, I like more uh, the idea of just doing it on my own. Okay. Without 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 like, uh, would I do an endurance race? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I, I mean, I do ultra running and I don't even race that. And I've already ran like, you know, I've already ran a, 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 a hundred kilometer. I've run a bunch, uh, a couple fifties, like, and I just do it in my backyard just to do it. Okay. No, because I'm just thinking about it. This could be the perfect story to tell. That's why you're thinking about your enjoyment in bicycle and whatever, and thinking about from the perspective of this is would be this would be an amazing story to tell. Not planning, yeah. not doing, just feeling your body and feeling your brain and what it says and say, okay, I'm gonna start doing this. I'm gonna stop here. Maybe not. Maybe there. Maybe not. I don't care. Yeah. Or just like scratch from the race. Who cares? You know, just yeah. this kind of thing. Taking a place where usually everything must be prepared to be perfectly working and do it in the other way around. And the perfect story to tell is that. That actually would sound fun, just to not prep anything and just fucking go out there and see what happens. That actually, I mean, I, that's like, that's how I do things. Yeah. Like, that's, 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 like, I, you know, I never, I never make a route. I've never made a route in my life. Ah. Like, I just, I just get on my bike and wherever it takes me is wherever it takes me. Okay. Like, like I don't, I, 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 I realized after all I've been through in life, I excel in chaos. Okay. Okay. Like okay. really, I've ex I ex I feel comfortable in chaos. I feel comfortable with the unknown. I feel comfortable uh, uh, not knowing if I can do something. I know something. I, I feel comfortable knowing that I'm not fully prepared for something, or I don't grasp the the, the reality of the situation or the uh, uh, the the schematics of the situation. I accept. I, I feel comfortable in that life. For me personally. Like, I, I like that life. I thrive on that life. Okay. That life of, 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 of nothing being planned. But, I mean, I have some goals in the next few years I'd like to do. Uh, I have some things I want to do in the next few years when my daughter is a little older. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when I can get away from the house more for longer periods of time. I have some ideas. In India, I have some stuff I want to do. Uh, but... Everything comes up in time. You can't, that's the thing, you can't force an adventure. You can't force mm -hmm. a life-changing event. You can't force these things. It has to happen when it happens. Yeah. And at this point, at this point, it hasn't happened yet. And I, I'm, I'm more content with, you know, just getting on my bike and riding all the way out to, like, you know, northern Holland, like 175 k's away, just to go say hi to somebody. Or I'm more content with... Yeah, you know, just riding my bike as far as I can and then getting on the train and coming home. Like, I'm more content with that style okay. of, of, of chaos, of not knowing where anything is and not knowing where any routes are or not knowing even where home is and just finding your way home. It, it, it's something therapeutic about working through these, these phases of, of, of things that I find enjoyable. 
Yeah, makes sense. And actually, just to relate to that, I remember I don't remember the, from whom is the quote, but it makes a lot of sense. Adventure starts when you are getting lost. Nothing yeah. before. If yeah. you are planning, you are not gonna get an adventure. You cannot plan an adventure, as you were saying. Then an adventure yeah. is anything planned. Yeah, and it, but I mean, we have to define what is. I mean, we have to define what is an adventure. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we have too many labels on everything. An adventure is if you is if you sign up for this race or you or you do PD, PVP or you do this. That's an adventure. Okay, hmm. maybe, maybe. But to another person, adventure might be just fucking going out and not knowing where you're going, <laughs> and yeah. not knowing how you're getting home. Yeah, just doing adventure. it. Yeah, just doing it is an adventure. Yeah. Like, we put too many, you know, nowadays we put too many labels. Everybody wants to be labeled as like a gravel cyclist, a mountain biker, a racer, a crit rider, a, a fixed gear rider, a this or that or a that, instead of just being labeled as just like a person. That's it. That's the only label you need is to be a person. That's the only thing you have to prove is to yourself. Yeah. You don't have to prove anything to anyone else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfectly, perfectly clear. I really like this way. Yeah, I really like this angle on things. Perfectly. Ari, I would say that we were... Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was saying it's... it's it's. I don't know. I it, It's an angle of reality. Yeah. Like yeah. We get stuck in this... And, and, I, and I blame social media for that. Okay. Because social media, people show what they want to show on there. And they make this, and social media has created this whole thing where it, this is what defines adventure. This is what defines camping. This is what defines this. This is what defines that. And, it, and people have lost creativity because mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. getting lost in the shuffle. Yes, completely see the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ari, I would say that we can stay here and talk for, I think, three or four more hours, but we are already recording for one hour, so probably okay, man. we can keep every... Also, because I wanted to ask you a bit more what's bicycle for you, um, okay. what was bicycle actually, um, what, what represented bicycle for you after the army and whatever, but I believe that you actually you shaped completely the philosophy and the spirit of the bicycle for yourself, pretty relatable to myself already in that way probably we can let's put it in that way we can talk again super soon about other stuff about less stuff about whatever sure. when you are publishing your book uh yeah i'm uh so <laughs> like i said like we were talking earlier i i i've lived a crazy ass life uh -huh. i have i i've seen i've seen multiple combats you know Bosnia, Kosovo. I was in Iraq for almost five years. Like I did three tours in Iraq. Uh, then I became a monk mm. for a few years. And then I went through uh, a mental health crisis, which led to suicide attempts and, and hospitalization, which is where I picked up cycling again. Okay. Because they had, they had road bikes in the hospital and, and I would go out every once in a while with it. Okay. Uh, and so uh, some people, uh, I don't know, some people thought it would be interesting for, me, interesting for me to share some of my thoughts from riding a bike about how to deal with mental health, mm -hmm. about how to deal with the ups and downs of life, or how to deal with memories. So I started writing a book about all the things I think about when I ride a bike. Okay. I, I, I haven't. I mean, the title was going to be "My Nipples Are Arrow," but I think I'll change it. I love uh, it though. 
I mean, it's a cool title. It's like, yeah. My yeah. nipples are arrow. Yeah. Uh, but it's I'm I'm finishing it up now. I have a couple more chapters I have to write, mm-hmm. and then I have to find an editor. So if anybody's out there that wants to edit on the uh, on a, on a ghetto budget, uh, yeah. get in touch with me. But it, it, hopefully by the the fall it'll be it'll be printed. I'm gonna self self publish. Uh, I'm gonna publish only a limited amount of copies. But it's not a book for the faint of heart. It's it's a book of honesty. In 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 India, there, in in one of the books that I studied in India, because I lived as in in an ancient village, uh-huh. uh, and I studied ancient texts, and I read like 15th century Bengali philosophy and Sanskrit and all these different things. And one of the things it says is that we write to purify ourselves. Yes, yeah, we write for purification. So. Uh, this book co- doesn't all fully cover cycling. There's there's the parts about cycling in there, but it covers basically everything I think about by myself on a bicycle. Okay. All the good, all the bad, all the failures, and the very few good things that I think about. And it covers all of it. Amazing. And so hopefully it'll be out in in fall. Hopefully. So here, actually, I'm saying it clear and saying it on record so everybody can hear us. Once it is going to be out, let's plan another talk. We are going to meet each other before. We already talked about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We already mm-hmm. talked about it, man. Exactly. You come, you, after you come, either here, you come here and we, uh, I, I make you get weird with little kid bicycles or uh, we go out there and get weird on some gravel with some, uh, some other stuff. Perfect. You know? But on I mean, in fall, when everything is going to be ready, I want you back on my records. Well, I'll send you a copy, and if you read it and you like it, then we can, if you want to talk again, we can. I don't want to, uh, I, it, it, it's actually a scary thing to write a book, <coughs> excuse me, uh, no based on, based on, uh, on internal dialogue. Okay. Because you're, you're, you're revealing the most intimate aspects of your life. It's not like I'm writing a book about, uh, i rode my bike to paris and yeah. i saw i saw this town and i saw this village you know i i i'm talking about how the bike the things on the bike that i think about on the bike that 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 have affected me uh the relationship with my family uh you know like uh you know one one thing in the book was one section was about how during all my years in war my family never wrote me one letter Wow. to see how I was. What? Okay. Yeah, like that's one thing. So it's it it's it's a book that goes deep 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 into 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 the things that have formed the person that is now here. Yeah. The experiences that and and how I've looked at them differently now that I'm older and now that I've experienced other things in life. That's super so, cool. That's really super cool, Ari. All right, man. Man, I have to say goodbye because all my batteries are dying. But all right, it was all right, a, dude. Well, it was a really, really you. great pleasure to talk with you, and we are gonna meet soon. Hope I didn't piss off too many people. You know what, man? Who cares? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, you know, 
I'm never going to be cyclist of the year. So I think, uh, I think the idea that I, I'm going to ever have a bunch of friends is kind of out the window. So, uh, yeah. So if I pissed you off, Hey man, better be pissed off than pissed on. Yeah, that's super good. Yes, true. Anyways, I'm going to give the contacts, your contacts to everybody, phone number, email, um, address, mail address or whatever. So I, they will write just, you directly. Well, yeah, if anybody wants to get in touch with me, best thing is to get in touch with me through Instagram because Great. I only check my email once a year. Perfect. Okay. Do you want to say actually your handle there? Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a funny handle. It's a slower than you crew. Okay. Okay. <laughs> And that's my Instagram. I don't have Facebook. I don't have anything else. I just have a, an Instagram account that, that has excerpts of the book. Mm -hmm. It also has other weird shit that I do. I had to tame it down a bit because my, son, my son's class follows me on Instagram, so I can't put any of the really weird shit on there anymore. Yeah, this is just for private, private people. Send it to me then. No, no, no. It, 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 well, it's a private account, but just request me and, and, and I'll, you know... I'll, I'll, I'll let you follow. It's just because uh, I'm very, like I said, I'm a very, I try to be a very private person. I don't, I don't uh, post too much personal like stuff about my family. Yeah. I leave it kind of how it is. And I'm very, I'm very picky about who I want around me. Let's say it like that. <laughs> makes sense. Makes sense. Cool, Ari. I will talk to you super soon then. And have a nice day. All right, brother. Thank you very much. Ciao, ciao. And thanks, Ari. It was really an open eyeer. How do you say that? An eye-opener, an eye-opener. It was really an eye-opener, this conversation with you. Uh, I'm already kind of doing it, something like don't caring about stuff so much, don't caring about uh, putting some solid miles on my Strava, don't caring anymore about switching on Strava sometimes, uh, taking picture of every corner or whatever, just doing it when you feel to do it. When you really can say, okay, this is a thing that I want to remember, stop it and take a picture, and no cares about PRs, KOMs and stuff. Or on the other side, if you feel one day not to go out with a bicycle to discover or do performance or training or how do you want to call it, and you want to you want just to go out, be out and taking some picture, then this would be a picture ride. And just that. Do whatever, do whatever you want. Do whatever makes you happy, on the bicycle, off the bicycle, whatever. This is the only thing that I can tell to everybody. This is already my philosophy since ages, I believe. Not feeling pressure on what is out there, just do what makes you happy. And what I usually do is like this, but still, listening from somebody with such a huge bag of experience, life experiences, you are, Ari, is really something I can not break on this kind of idea, philosophy and stuff. Really great, really great. I wanted to go a bit deep on that right now, talking a bit more on how brands put a hat on top of cycling, on top of discovering, on top of experience on the bike or whatever, but I'm not gonna do. You know what I'm saying and everybody knows how to develop out there, how to develop business if they want, how to develop experience if they want, makes everything that makes you happy and don't exclude anybody. This is the last word that I want to leave you with, people. Don't exclude anybody. There is enough cycling and experience and good mood out there for everybody, similar to you and different to you. It's the same. Well, ooh, stop it. Could be really, really, really complicated to go, to continue go on this direction. I think I'm taking a decision right now, people, and then I'm gonna express this uh, decision here clearly. So, 
everybody knows that on the middle of June, and probably I can look here in my calendar when it's gonna happen, I think it's the 16th, yes, the 16th, yes, the 16th or the 15th, the 15th is gonna be my travel days, but the 15th of June is gonna be the Holy Week, the kickoff of the Holy Week. This means that is gonna be uh, the start of last year, like last year, daily episodes about our adventure climbing the Alps. This year, the plan is pretty solid, pretty tough. Everything was set up by Simon, so you will know that. Uh, that is gonna be super tough. And uh, so, yes, it's gonna be pretty tough, pretty serious. And I want to tell you the story of that with daily episodes. Uh, more or less something like half an hour, 20 minutes of half an hour daily episodes that are gonna go live from the 15th, that is a Saturday, uh, till the week after should be the 22nd or whatever of June. So, uh, three days, uh, three weeks from now, let's say. And my plan for getting there is this one at the moment. We are gonna record the presentation of the Holy Week this week together with Simon in the next days for me, but this week. And this is gonna go live next week. So next Tuesday. Next Tuesday is gonna be uh, probably the presentation of the Holy Week and the last episode of this season of the Broom Wagon. No needs to cry, no needs to be sad, because as I'm telling you, there's gonna be something else. And I'm gonna update of my new projects directly next week in the next episode. But for now, keep it like it is. Next week, presentation of the Holy Week number two together with Simon and last episode of season number two of the Broom Vegan. Then, one week of stop, when I need to put all my stuff together, start planning, otherwise I will get... I know already that I'm gonna be in the I'm fucked uh, level of my planning, I'm always like this, but I need one week to put some stuff together and to prepare some stuff. So, one week of stop and then... Most, almost two weeks. And then I'm gonna start the daily episode on the 15th of June. Probably also before... I don't know, but just keep it like a date. The 15th of June is gonna be the first daily episode about the Holy Week number two. Then, after that week, we are gonna say goodbye for, I don't know, some weeks, I'm thinking about eight, 10 weeks, with the Broom Vagon, and we are gonna start the new season usually in September. You're gonna have updates, you know, to find the updates. And I'm open to have any kind of idea from your side about the new season. Shout out, whatever you want to do, whenever you want to say, just let me know and I will try to include everything in the new season of the Broom Vegan. You can be sure there's gonna be something tasty and susy that is gonna come out in summer. You will know that next year, so next season, next September, I'm gonna be back here for the third episode, sorry, the third uh, season of the Broom Vegan. And be sure that it's gonna be a lot of fun. I have already, we have already a lot of plans in mind and you will know that this is, gonna, this is gonna be amazing. I believe that actually this episode was the best way to conclude this season. Everything, yeah, because next week is gonna be a presentation of the Holy Week and blah, 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 but really, Closing the interview session with Ari was a thing that 
made me happy when I thought about that and makes me super happy right now because bicycle is really the experience and being better person that's something that bicycle is a tool that helps you do that on the other side you can find whatever you want but the most important thing is that be the best the best version of yourself always without being just sheep following trends or whatever but even if this makes you happy focus on that and be happy because only an happy person is the best version of himself herself or whatever Going to the conclusion, I was talking about feedback, I was talking about questions, I was talking about whatever, send, it, send them to me on my social media, on my contacts, on my whatever. Hello at calamaro.cc, that's my email. And then calamaro.cc, calamarock, calamaro.cc on Instagram, read calamaro on Twitter, calamaro.cc on Facebook. And then you will find this podcast on Spotify, Spreaker, um, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to some podcasts, is there. And you will always find some good things and good vibes to listen to your stuff. You can also start listening to all the episodes. They are still there. They are almost 100. They are super fine. Really, really super fine. For now, I will tell you bye. Ah, yeah, because before I forget, thanks again to 3T that is giving me a lot of great... Oh, it's so difficult to say this thing, and probably I'm gonna keep the emotional part by the last way, the last episode of the of the season. But the thing is that a new bike unlocks you a lot of good vibes and amazing adventures. So thanks 3T for that. For now, I want just to say goodbye to everybody. I will talk to you next week. Ciao!